1: We begin tonight with a visit with Sergeant Joe Friday, ably played by Jack Webb, who also was the producer of the series Dragnet. You wouldn't write off the bat ascribe Jack Webb with a history of comedy, but in actual fact, he starred in The Jack Webb Show, a half-hour comedy that had a limited run on ABC Radio back in 1946. By 1949, he had abandoned comedy for drama and starred in Pat Novak for Hire, a radio show about a man who worked as an unlicensed private detective. The program co starred Raymond Burr. Pat Novak was notable for writing that imitated the hard boiled style of such writers as Raymond Chandler. Get a load of some of the lines that were used. Uh, quote, She drifted into the room like 98 pounds of warm smoke. Her voice was hot and sticky, like a furnace full of marshmallows. <laughs> I love that. Well, let's see what's going on in Los Angeles that needs the help of Sergeant Joe Friday.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, the story you are about to hear is true.
2: Only the names have been changed to protect the innocent. NBC brings you Dragnet.
0: A detective sergeant. You're assigned to homicide. Somewhere in the tangled web of your city, there's a killer on the loose. A young woman has been brutally murdered. The weapon, a steel bludgeon. Your job is to get him.
2: Drag the documented drama of an actual crime, investigated and solved by the men who unrelentingly stand watch on the security of your home, your family, and your life. For the next 30 minutes, in cooperation with the Los Angeles Police Department, you will travel step-by-step on the side of the law through an actual case from official police files. From beginning to end. From crime to punishment. Dragnet is the story of your police force in action.
3: It was Thursday, March 19th. It was foggy in Los Angeles. We were working the night watch out of homicide detail. My partner's Ben Romero. The boss is Ed Backstrand, chief of detectives. My name's Friday. It was 9.14 p.m. when I got to the old central jail building, third floor, the crime
4: lab. Hi, Joe. Hi, coming, Lee. Just trying a spectrograph. What'd you find? The paint flake from the victim's head matches that paint on the hunk of pipe. Any prints? Uh, The pipe was clean, no latent prints.
3: Well, that's figured. Anything else?
4: Got those blood test reports. A couple of slides for you to look at under the comparison, Mike. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Lee. Oh, hi, Joe.
5: Didn't hear you come in.
4: What's it look like, Ben?
5: Well, here's the blood test reports. This one is blood found on the piece of pie. Mm, type A. This one's blood from the victim.
3: Type A.
4: They match. That's right, boys. Doesn't mean too much, though. Did you look at these slides under the microscope? No, not yet. Well, this is your clincher. Wait till I get the light. Okay, take a look.
3: Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Got a make? Yeah, go ahead.
4: Well, this slide here on the right... Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. That's a slice of hair from the victim's head. On the other slide is hair found on the steel pipe. Yeah. She had wavy hair. Both specimens are flat. Same hair, Joe. Got anything on that piece of pipe, Lee? Mm-hmm. Nothing. Just ordinary steel pipe. 14 inches long. What else you got? The plaster impressions of those footprints we found by the body. Here they are. Hmm. Oh, Crepe sole? Tennis shoes. New one. Size 9. Good impression. Ground was soft. Man about a hundred and fifty pounds, according to the length of stride, roughly about five feet ten inches tall. Yeah, new shoes, all right. You can still read the manufacturer's label. That's right, made by the Sport King Company. Well, that's something to follow up. Yeah, sure. You could start with the tennis courts. Only about a thousand or so in LA. Maybe you'd rather track down the brand. These particular tennis shoes are the biggest sellers in the country. Yeah. Where'd you like to start? Minneapolis or Pullman, Washington? What about that glove? Yeah, you might look for a missing glove. Yeah. They go well with the shoes, just about as common. White cotton work gloves with a blue top? Here's the right glove, you find the left one. Blood on it glove? Type A. Well, that's good evidence, Jones, but where's the lead? Now, look, I don't ask you to pay my parking tickets. You want to see blow ups? Yeah, okay. Right over here.
3: Oh, uh, yeah. This is the vacant lot where they found the body. Yeah, that's right.
4: Here's a close up of her showing the location of the murder weapon, the glove, and the footprints relative to the position of the body. Looks as bad as yesterday. Sure did work her over, didn't it? The rest of these are morgue shots. Interested?
3: Yeah, I checked them this morning. Once is enough, Lee.
4: Yeah, well, that winds it, boy. You want to go over the stuff in her purse again? You find anything more? No, nothing you haven't seen already. The usual makeup, comb, barrette. That's a hair clip. A mm-hmm. few cheap stones in it. Loose change, a quarter, a nickel, a few pennies. Her ID card.
6: Yeah.
3: Helen Corday. 33 Naomi Place. Age 21. 21. That's not very old, is it, Lee? Not to die. No. Helen Corday.
7: Who could kill Helen Corday? Why? Why do you say that, Mr. Meyer? People kill for money. They they kill for love. Helen Corday had none of these. No boyfriend? Nothing here. No, she was a good worker. Five different waitresses the union sends me one month. Five! Did the union send Helen to you? Sure, sure. All the girls come from the union, but none like Helen. Oh, she was sweet, honest, and courteous. Mr. Meyer, did you know anything about her personal life? Only that she was a good worker. Everything else she took home with her from this place. Did she ever mention any men to you, anyone at all? No gentlemen, not one. How much
5: money did she make here? I paid
7: her $26.50 a week, every Tuesday. Not much salary for so much work, but the tips are very good here, nice Mm -hmm. customers.
3: This her home address, 33 Naomi Place?
7: 33 Naomi, that's right, yeah. Thank you very much, Mr. Maher, for your time. I wonder what kind of a person does things like that. Who could kill Helen Corday? Everybody liked Helen. Helen Corday?
8: I never liked her. Come on in the office, boys, where we can talk. Never liked her because I never knew her.
3: You the head of the union?
8: Just a steward. I know most of the girls. This Corday girl, what was she she look
5: like? Small brunette, about 5'3". Here's a picture. Yeah.
8: Pretty girl, wasn't she? Oh, sure, sure. Placed her out at Otto's place. Nice little Dutch fella.
3: Anna Meyer. That's right. He seemed to think quite a lot of her.
8: Hey, yeah, she was a fine worker. Oh, sure. Always right up on her dues. Paid all the assessments right on time. Thought you said you didn't know her. Well, not right off. I didn't. But when you showed me that picture there, placed her right away.
3: You know anything about her personal
5: life? Hey, wait a minute. Why all
8: these questions?
5: Helen Corday was murdered last night. Oh. Who did it? you know anything about her personal life?
8: See my position, Sergeant? 1,200 girls? Check 'em them in, check them out?
5: Ah, just names to me till I see a picture of them. You wouldn't know if she had any boyfriends here in the Union? Waiters, busboys? That I wouldn't know. Like
8: I tell you, Sergeant, I never knew Helen Corday. Sure I knew Helen Corday. Gus plays
9: a nice piano, huh,
5: Sergeant? Yeah. I read about it in the paper this morning. How long have you been selling pianos here at this place?
9: About as long as I knew Helen. Three years. how would you find me?
3: Helen's landlady. We talked to her yesterday. She told us she worked here at this piano store.
9: Oh. Funny, isn't it? What's funny? See Gus over there? That fellow demonstrating the piano? A few weeks ago, I made a deal with him to give Helen piano lessons. I figured it would help her with her singing lessons. Wanted to be a singer, you know.
5: Did Helen know that fellow Gus?
9: No, she never met him.
5: Who gave her their singing lessons, Miss Olsen?
9: She took from Ostrander. Paul Ostrander out on Melrose. A lot of movie people used to take from him.
3: What do you know about her personal life?
9: How do you mean? Does
3: she have any boyfriends?
9: Well, yes.
5: You don't seem sure, Miss Olsen.
9: Well, it's just that I don't know. I never asked Helen. But she did have a few dates with Paul Ostrander. I don't think she was serious.
3: How about
5: Ostrander?
9: Gee, I I don't know, Sergeant. I don't want to involve anybody.
5: You want to help us find the killer, don't you?
9: Yes, but if you're thinking Paul Ostrander did it. No, I'm sure he didn't kill her.
7: That's all for today, Victoria. No, gentlemen, I did not kill Helen Corday.
3: You gave her singing lessons, Mr. Ostrander. You knew her pretty well.
7: Yes, I gave her voice coaching for about a year and a half. Helen showed a little promise. Not
5: a great voice. A bad vibrato.
3: You knew her pretty well.
5: Why do you say that, Mr. Ostrander? Didn't you used to take her out once in a while? No. no I didn't know Helen socially at all. We know you had dates with her. That's not true. Only times I saw her was when she came here to the studio for lessons. You better tell the truth, Mr. Ostrander. We can prove that you've been out with
3: her. Afraid of the publicity, is that it?
5: Certainly, that's it. I have a successful business here. I've spent
3: years building it. Anything like this would ruin me. Then you have been out with her. Only a few times. Nothing
5: serious. I had nothing to do with her murder. Now, that's the truth. Don't you know that withholding information about a thing like this can go kind of hard for you? Yes, I know that.
3: What else could I do? Mr. Ostrander, somewhere in this city right now, there's a guy who beat a young girl to death. He crushed her skull with a piece of steel pipe. We need every bit of information we can get to track him down. I
7: know that, Sergeant. You could
3: have come to us. We wouldn't run to the newspapers with it. If the information's confidential, that's the way we treat it. Most of the time, it's the people who run to the newspapers first. Then they come to us. That's right, Mr. Ostrander. People are their own press agents.
7: Sergeant, I'd like to know what right you have to invade my privacy and lecture me on my civic duty. All right, I'll tell you
3: what right, Ostrander. We want the man who murdered Helen Corday. I got as much right as he had at 1214 this morning. Come on, Joe. Yeah. Thanks, Mr. Ostrander. Sorry if I invaded your privacy.
8: Chief of Detectives, Office, Alan. No, I'm sorry, ma'am. You got the wrong extension. Try 2511. You're welcome. Hi, Friday, Romero. Chief's been looking for you. Thank you,
5: Mike. Come on, Joe. Yeah. Hello,
10: Joe. Ben. Sit down. What'd you get? A notebook full of notes, a crime lab full of evidence, nothing to tie them together. And are these some of the people you interviewed? Yeah, those and about a dozen more we didn't even take notes on.
5: It's hard to figure, Scapper. Everybody seemed to like this girl. Helen Corday, no known relative. Single, unattached girl, living all alone in the city. Few friends and no enemies, none we can find
10: anyway. Are you uh, satisfied that all the people you interviewed are in the clear?
5: Well, if we're going to stick to the simple robbery motive, we are. The kind of money Helen Corday made wouldn't interest those people.
10: How are you doing on the outside leads?
5: Nothing. We could just find one hole someplace, anything.
10: All right, now look. You've got a lab full of evidence across the street. You've got a book full of names here. You've got the pieces. Now fit them together.
5: They just don't add.
10: Well, go over them and keep going over them until they do add Anything from the informant? No,
3: nothing so far. No tips on anybody that's been dough-heavy lately. Nobody's shooting off their mouth.
10: Uh, the guy we want won't advertise. Figures himself a pretty smooth operator. But he probably made a mistake somewhere along the line. We'll find it. Got a
8: hot shot, Ed. Yeah? 3220 Casino. Woman, probable attack.
10: All right, Friday. You and Ben run it down.
3: We ran down the hot shot call for 3220 Casino. Turned out to be a typical dead-end lead. Her name was Mrs. Lillian Horn. For the past five years, Mr. Horn had been paid regularly on Wednesday. He spent all day Thursday drinking up his paycheck and beating his wife. The call had no connection with the Corday murder. We made the usual call in the Unit 80K to Control 1. 80K to Control 1. Control 1
9: to 80K. Go ahead.
3: On that probable attack, 3220 Casino. Code 4. 80K, roger. 80K to Control 1, KMA 367. That was the beginning. For the next three days, we followed up every lead and every call, but they were all blind. All units were alerted, and they had as much information on the killer of Helen Corday as we did. Ben and I cruised throughout the entire Central Division. We covered every probable call that might have some connection with the murder.
6: Attention, Unit 41R,
9: 1654
6: Swanson Terrace, a woman, victim of probable attack, Code
3: 3, Unit 41R. It didn't make any difference what the call was. If there was a possibility it might tie in with the Corday murder, we ran it down. We made it a 24-hour job. So far, if the killer made a mistake, we hadn't been able to find it. The Corday funeral was on Monday. They were all there. The girl's landlady, the voice teacher Ostrander, the girlfriend Marie Olson, the man from the union, and her boss Otto Meyer. But nobody else we hadn't checked. That was Monday afternoon. Monday night, we went back to the old routine, tracking calls during the night in the squad car, picking up small threads that led nowhere. Three more days of the same thing. Thursday morning, one week after we found Helen Corday's body, we got an anonymous phone tip.
4: I know who killed Helen Corday. His name is George Barlow. He lives at 418 White Oak Avenue. He used to date her up all the time. Get him, and you've got the murderer.
3: We checked George Barlow and about ten others just like him. None of them knew Helen Corday. Saturday night, Ben and I were back in the squad car cruising the Central Division. Saturday night's a good night for robbery. By 10 p.m., we'd run down four various calls.
6: 123,
9: code one. 123, roger. 12G, call your station. Unit 13R,
6: 1254 Tower Road.
3: A woman screaming. Investigate in trouble. Code two. Let's handle that one, Ben. Yeah, okay. I'll notify communications. Unit 80K to control one. 80K to control one.
9: Control one to unit 80K. Go ahead. On your
3: 1254 Tower Road call, we're in the vicinity. We will handle it. 80 okay, roger. 80K to Control-1, KM8367. Let's go, then. Control-1 to 13R.
9: Disregard
5: your last call. Handle by 80K. It should be right about here. Oh, uh, here it is. 1254. That <laughs> man, who
6: tried to kill me. He's running out the street man. Where? He's getting to that car. <laughs> he tried to kill me. Come on.
5: Where'd he go, Joe? Turn right at the next corner. That's him up ahead.
3: Got a good lead on us. Hit the siren. He's gaining, Jim. Took a left at the next corner. Oh, he isn't gonna stop. Close in as tight as you can, Ben. Down to the floor now. Swing out to the left a little. I'm going for his tires. Alright, that'll slow him down. Pull up on him. Yeah. All right, you. Keep both hands on that wheel and get over to the curb. Go me, Joe. Right. Out of that car, mister. Shake him down. Hey,
7: take
5: it easy, will you? I haven't got a gun. Put the cuffs on him. Hey. hey you boys work fast. What am I doing with the gas chamber? You save that, It's Pretty rough treatment for speeding. All huh? right, come on, you. Look, I, I got a right to know where you're taking me. What's the charge? We'll let the girl tell you. What girl? You can sit there and be quiet, huh? Oh, I know where you're going. The place back on Tar Road. Well, I asked to use the phone. The girl slammed the door in my face. I don't know what your cops are trying to prove. I just wanted to use the phone, that's all. I even tried to scare her a little. I, I told her I'd hit her over the head if she didn't let me use the phone. That's a laugh, huh? All right, you get out. Yeah, I suppose so. Get out. Hey. I got nothing to hide. That
4: little girl's gonna lie, you know that, don't you?
9: Who's
6: there?
4: Police officer. Ah!
6: That's the man. That's him. He got to kill me.
3: His full name's Frank Philip Larson. They had no previous record. This
10: the uh, girl's report? Yeah, that's it, Skipper. Uh, Judy Scott. How old is she? He's nineteen, he's a babysitter. Real tough boy, isn't he? Forced his way into the house, beat her about the neck and arms. That uh, tire iron. He found it in his car. Jones is running it through the crime lab. Asked her if she had any
5: money. She told him no. Struck her again. Where's this Larson live? Hotel out near Santa Monica. The clothing salesman, Ed works for a big men's store, Burns and Company. According to the Housebook sales record, he bought a pair of tennis shoes two weeks ago. He's 158 pounds, five foot eleven inches. The tennis shoes are missing. They're not in his hotel room, he's not wearing. What else did you find? A rhinestone. You mean a pin? No, just a small loose stone recovered from the rug in Larson's room. Crime Lab got it. Working on it now.
3: Ted? I think. We got the man who killed Helen Corday. A few scraps of circumstantial evidence and a hunch. That's not much to go on. Larson had gone after the little Scott girl with the tire iron. Wasn't much of a tie-in, but we had to be sure. All that day, we checked Frank Larson's alibi for the night of Helen Corday's murder. We interviewed the personnel manager at Burns & Company where he worked. We talked to all the clerks who knew him, the manager of the hotel where he lived. We found out everything we could about Frank Larson. And that night at 10 o'clock, we had the prisoner brought to the interrogation room.
5: How are you, Larson? Fine. Just fine. I like
3: jail. Sit down. Lousy weather, been foggy all over town.
5: I wouldn't know. I've been inside all day. How old are you, Lorton? 31, same as the last time you asked me. Where'd you go to school? I didn't. I was born smart. You sell clothes, don't you, Lorton? We know you work for
3: Burns and Company. Remember, you told us.
5: What is all this? What are you guys trying to build? You just
3: want to know if you like selling
5: clothes. That's all. Well, you coppers know about clothes. One blue surge a year is your speed. You know quite a bit about clothes, don't you? I've been selling them for five years. Can you tell me something I've been wondering about? What's that? Are your socks and tie always supposed to match? That's what the style books say.
3: Bet you always know the right things to wear, don't you? You wouldn't wear black shoes with a brown suit, would you?
5: Is that what you're keeping me here for? Style, isn't Oh, would you? Would
3: you wear black shoes with
5: a brown suit? Most people wouldn't.
3: Bet you wouldn't wear brown shoes with a tuxedo, <laughs> would
5: you? I been smoking too much. You got a glass of water? Oh, yeah, sure. There you are, Lorton. Thanks. That's good and cool. How about it? Would you ever wear brown shoes with a tux?
3: Nobody would. That's a navy blue flannel you got on there, isn't it? Yeah. It's a good-looking suit. Stop run sometime. Get you a good deal. Suit like that flannel there you're wearing... You'd never wear tennis shoes with an outfit like that, would you? What do you think? I think you did. I think you wore them the night you killed Helen Corday. Who? Maybe you didn't have the blue suit on, but you were wearing tennis shoes. Sport King, size 9. Sell for $5.95. You picked them up at a discount. Cost you three and a quarter. Where'd you get that? Out of the house book, Burns and Company. You wouldn't have those shoes around now, would you? We couldn't find them in your hotel room.
5: Your boss, Mr. Craig, used to think a lot of you, Larson. Before you started drinking on the job, your commissions used to run pretty high up the last couple of months. What happened? That cheap rye get to you? Well, you two really nosed around, didn't you? When are you going to tell me what I eat for breakfast? Cornflakes, cup of coffee, donut. Sometimes two donuts
3: when you're hungry. Elsie waits on you at the Royal Cafe. She gets a dime tip.
5: <clears throat> and have some more of that water. Help yourself, President they Very
4: good and cold.
3: <clears throat> How about it, Larson? Where are the tennis shoes?
4: They wore out.
3: In
5: three weeks? They'd be very good tennis shoes.
3: No, they didn't wear out. What'd you do with them?
5: You know all the answers. You figure it out. We know you bought the tennis shoes. We don't know where they are now. We know you had them. Size nine. Three feet from the body of Helen Corday, we found two size nine footprints
3: made by a pair of Sport King tennis shoes. I
5: figured the man weighed about 150 pounds.
3: You weigh 158. We figured he's
5: about five foot ten.
3: You're five eleven.
5: You come awful close to being the same build as the man who killed Helen Corday, don't you, Lars?
3: Man, you wear the same size tennis shoes, same brand name. A lot of people wear nines.
5: It's the average size. They sell a lot of Sport Kings too. Everybody wears them. If we could find your pair, it might make a difference. Doesn't mean your tennis shoes made the prints with the body. Doesn't prove that it, it didn't, neither. What'd you do with them, Larson? I threw them away. That's too bad.
3: Might make a difference.
5: Oh, what difference could it make? I threw them away, that's all. Now, how about the mate to this glove? I never saw it before. Found this right-hand glove by the body of Helen Corday. Just an ordinary cotton work glove. Everybody wears them. If we could find the missing left glove. Well, might make a difference. Size, medium. That's average, too, isn't it, Larson? I never saw work gloves. I wouldn't know. No, but you bought work gloves, haven't you? Not a pair of those. I mean like this, don't you? We only got one. What kind of work gloves did you buy? I didn't buy any. You just said you did. I never said I bought any work clothes. You bought tennis shoes, though, didn't you? Before... I told you I bought the tennis shoes. Didn't I tell you I bought them?
3: No, you didn't tell us. We told you. Found out from Burns and Company where you were.
5: All right, you told me I bought them. You know that. Same kind of tennis shoes that made footprints by Helen Corday's butt. It wasn't me. Then why won't you tell us what you did with them? I've shoes? already told you. I threw them away.
3: They were only three weeks old. They
5: must have worn out awful fast. I
3: didn't say they wore out. They got too dirty. No, you told us they wore out. Remember, Larson? I don't remember
5: what I told you, but I don't have them now. We know you don't have them now. Where are they? He told us they got too dirty. Right, Larson? Yes. Yes, yes, that's what I said. Anyhow, you haven't got them now. No, I haven't got them now.
3: All right, now, just for the record, Larson, which was it? Did they get too dirty or did they wear out?
5: Whatever I said before. You
3: said both before, Larson. All right, I said both. You haven't got anything on me. We got that little Scott girl statement from last night. She says you
5: tried to kill her. She's lying. I told you she'd lie, didn't I? I only wanted to use a phone. She says you hit her with a tire iron. Did you hit her with that iron? No, I only tried to scare her. I didn't hit her with anything. Then how'd you get those marks around her neck
3: and oh, arm? Police doctor says they were made by that tire iron. I
5: don't care what your doctor says. I didn't hurt her. Now, what
3: do you mean, Larson? You didn't hurt her or you didn't hit her with that tire Neither iron?
5: Neither one. I just wanted to use a phone. How'd you know she had a phone? I didn't know if she had a phone. I just went up to find out. To find out what? To find out if I could use her phone.
3: But you said you didn't know if she had a phone.
5: I don't know anything the way you twist everything around.
3: Sorry, Larson. You only want the truth. How about a cigarette?
5: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I could use that. Here's a light.
3: Larson, where were you Wednesday night, March 18th? How many times you going to ask me that same question? Just want to make
5: sure we got it right. I told you this morning. I went to a show. I got out about 11, had a beer, and I went home. What time did you get home? About 11.30. Did you stay home? I went to bed. What did you see at the show? I never remember the names. You them. ought to try to remember this, and it's pretty important. Oh, it was a deluxe theater. I was... Spencer Tracy and something. What was on when you walked in? The news. I never go in in the middle of a picture. Neither do I. Spoilers inform me. Yeah, yeah, that's right. The girl in the box office doesn't remember seeing you go well, in. She knows. It was Keno night. There was a big crowd. Did you win anything? I never do. Anybody hit the jackpot? I don't remember. They give away a lot of money in those neighborhood theaters. I always remember who hits the jackpot. All right, you do. I don't. you remember if anybody won the jackpot? I told you, no. Do they
3: have a jackpot at that show? I guess they do. I don't know. You
5: know, it was Keno Night. You should know if they had a jackpot. Maybe they had a jackpot. I don't know. I went out for a smoke. You said the cartoon was on when you walked in. Why do you always twist what I say? I told you the news was on when I went in. You remember anything about the newsreel? Yeah. It was ten days ago. How do I know it was in it? I only know it was a newsreel. That's all. You're
3: it. lying, Larson. We checked your alibi. The manager of the theater had to cut the newsreel Wednesday night because the show was running long with Kino night.
5: You didn't go to the show Wednesday night, did you? All right, maybe I didn't. I don't remember. What's the difference? The
3: difference is you could have been in that vacant lot the same night, the night Helen Corday was murdered.
7: I didn't kill her. You can't prove I did.
3: Interrogation room, Friday. Aye, Jones. It did, huh? You're positive. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Lee.
5: Sure you don't want to tell us what you did with those tennis shoes? I'm not going to go back over all that. I've told you guys all I'm going to tell you. You know how the Corday girl was murdered? How would I know? I don't know anything about it.
3: She was on her way home from work, as usual. About midnight. Of course, you were home in bed about that time. But you didn't go to the show that night, Larson. On her way home, Helen Corday always took a shortcut across a vacant lot. She was about halfway through the lot when the murderer tried to grab her purse. She screamed and he struck her
5: her several times with a piece of steel pipe 14 inches long. He beat her to death with that piece of steel pipe. Then he dropped the pipe in a right-hand cotton work glove. He left two footprints, size 9, sport king tennis shoes. I know all that. Well, here's something you don't know. When the killer scooped the paper money out of that girl's purse, he accidentally took
3: along a loose rhinestone, a stone that fell out of a cheap barrette in the bottom of her bag. He carried that stone home with him. When he reached in his pocket to pull out the money he stole from her, the rhinestone fell on the floor. So? We found that rhinestone on the rug in your hotel room.
5: Well, I haven't lived in that hotel room all my life. Maybe the tenant before me dropped it there. No,
3: not this one. We checked the cement that held it in that barrette. It matches the glue on the stone. No, Larson, that rhinestone came from the hair clip that Helen Corday wore before she was murdered.
5: And that's enough to take you to the district attorney turning with. What am I supposed to say? We want you to tell us the truth. Why did you kill Helen Corday? Yeah?
8: You want the sandwiches and coffee now, Sergeant?
5: Bring them in, Mike. Looks like we're going to be here a long time.
8: Yeah, I brought you ham, cheese, and liverwurst, and some fruit. The coffee's black, cream and sugar on the side. Mm, thank you, Mike.
5: That yeah, looks good. What kind do you want, Larson? Ham, cheese, or liverwurst. Oh, are not hungry? Okay. Is I with you? No, thanks. I think I'll have an apple, huh? Yeah. Okay. Oh, I fixed you a plate there, Larson. coffee's right here. pineapple.
3: Mm. Nice and fresh. This a Washington apple? Yeah, I don't
5: know. Is that coffee hot enough?
3: No, it's fine. Where'd Mike pick these up?
5: Well, in are frosted straight.
3: That is? No, huh? Oh, very good. Well, drink your coffee anyway, Larson. It's getting cold. All right! All
6: right!
7: I didn't want to kill her. She screamed and I hit her. All I wanted was her purse. That's all I wanted. She, she wouldn't give to me. She had to fight back, so I hit her. I, I didn't want to kill her. All she had to do was give me the purse. I wouldn't know what her. I, 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 was, I was drinking and I didn't know what I was doing. I, I was drunk. I was drunk. I didn't mean to kill her. I didn't mean to
6: kill her. Stay with him. We'll call the stenographer.
5: See you tomorrow, Joe. Good night. Yeah. Sour
0: racket, huh? The story you have just heard
2: is true. Only the names were changed to protect the innocent. Frank Philip Larson was tried and convicted of murder in the first degree. He was executed in the lethal gas chamber at the state penitentiary. You have just heard the fifth in a new series of authentic cases from official files. Technical advice for Dragnet is furnished by the Los Angeles Police Department. Stay tuned for
1: Bud Abbott and Lou Costello, next on Theatre of the Mind. Time now for two guys who made a lot of money in the late 40s and early 50s. As a matter of fact, in 1942, exhibitors voted them the top box office stars in the country, and their earnings for the fiscal year were $789,000 and change. The team did a 35-day tour during the summer of 1942 to promote and sell war bonds, the Treasury Department credited them with $85 million in sales. Now, Bud Abbott in and Lou Costello and the Christmas show at the height of their popularity.
11: And Costello program, starring Bud Abbott and Lou Costello, brought to you by Camel, the cigarette of costlier, properly aged tobaccos. The Abbott and Costello program, with a modern rhythm of Will Osborne's orchestra, Iris Adrian, our singing star Connie Haynes, and spotlighting that chunky, chubby little cherub, who, when caught asking a neighbor lady to take her shoes off because his Uncle Artie Stebbins said she had crow's feet, calmly said,
6: I'm a brother!
11: Well, well, Costello,
12: (laughs) where have you been? Why weren't you here fixing up the house for the party? Today? Oh, hey Abbott, I had to get down to jail to get my landlady out. You know, Mrs. Satchel push? Yeah. I had to get her out on bail. What do you she mean? got arrested for shoplifting. They finally caught her. Uh, I thought she mm-hmm. was too smart to get caught. Well, she made a mistake. She stole an alarm clock and hid it in her bustle. Well, how of they catch her? Her bustle went off at a quarter of eight. <laughs>
6: Well,
12: never mind your land... Never mind your landlady. Did you send out the invitations for the party? Oh, yeah. I got them right here. Look what it says. What is it? Lou Costello invites you to a Christmas party to be held in his home. B-A-P-O-B. B-A... B-A-P-O-B. Yep, yep. You mean R-S-V-P. Oh, no, I mean B-A-P-O-B. Bring a pound of
6: butter. <laughs> oh,
12: boy, what a party I'm going to have. My Aunt May will bring her cranberry sauce... That's her specialty. Aunt Catherine will bring her plum pudding. That's her specialty. And Aunt Eva will bring her 14 children. That's... Uh, That's a nice family. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, Never mind your relatives. Look, forget about your relatives for a minute, Lude. Yeah, yeah. Uh, did you remember to get souvenirs for everybody? Oh, souvenirs. Yes. Yeah, I'm having favors for the girls. At 12 o'clock, I'm going to turn the lights off. Oh, yeah. Any favors for the men? What do you call turning the lights off?
11: (laughs) (laughs) Look, Costella,
12: who did you invite
11: besides your relatives?
12: Oh, a lot of movie stars. And I invited Lana Turner, and she kissed me. Lana Turner kissed you? The smoke isn't coming out of my ears for nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Look, Costella,
11: how about the tree? Did you get a tree? Hmm? Did you get a tree?
12: Oh, did I get a tree? I got the biggest Christmas tree you ever saw. Well... I just got through putting in the living room. You did? What a tree! It's six feet higher than the ceiling.
11: Well, it's a shame to have to cut the top
12: off. That's the way I felt about it, too. Sure, sure. So I cut a hole in the ceiling. I have. (laughs) You cut a hole in the ceiling of our our living room? Yeah, this will be the first Christmas we ever had a tree in our Mm -hmm. bathroom. (laughs) (laughs) What kind of a tree did you get? Is it a fir? Oh, yes, it's one of those... What did you say? I said, did you get a fur? No, I got a three. Oh, stop this silliness! I want to see your fur. See my fur? Certainly. What am I? A silver fox? No, no, no. I'm not talking about uh, fur. F-U-R. The fur, the fur I mean, has an eye in it. Oh, the fur has an eye in it. Yes. Just one eye? Uh, Certainly, there's just one. One eye in fur. Must be I J Fox. No, 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 look. Stand still when I'm talking to you. Yes, sir. I'm talking about a fur tree. Uh-huh. Now, will you quit talking about the fur with you in it? You doesn't belong in the kind of fur I'm talking about. I doesn't belong in that kind of fur? Oh, yes. I belongs in it. But uh, you doesn't. Uh, why should you belong in fur if I does I don't. <laughs> I happen to look better and fair than you do.
6: I'm prettier than you. Uh, well, I'm, I'm cuter than no, 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 you. <laughs> you bad dar- boy.
12: No remarks. No, 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 no remarks. You're bad boy. Never mind. I'm trying to find out what kind of a Christmas tree you got. Look,
11: wait a minute. Here, I've got
12: it. What kind of bark did it have? What kind of bark? Yes. Uh, didn't you notice the uh, tree bark? <laughs> no, I have my ear on. No, no, no. Bark, bark, bark. Oh,
6: bark? Yes. <laughs> no,
12: no, no, no. the bark of the tree
11: is the outer coat. Did the uh, tree have a rough coat?
12: No, but the girl who showed it to me had on a smooth sweater. No, look. <laughs> And no time no for singing, please uh, The bark is the coat Yeah You find it on the trunk of a fir tree A tree has a trunk? Oh, of course That must be where he keeps his coat in firm No, Cuttella I'm going to try to explain it to you Now, no, she would, yeah. all Christmas trees belong to the pine family Oh, no, they don't oh, This yes. Christmas tree belongs to me, brother no, no, wait a minute Let the pine family get
6: the wrong no. tree Forget the pine family,
12: Cuttella <laughs> I don't think you know anything about trees Who don't? You don't I do, I make my own trees did you seed them yourself? Did I see them? <laughs> yes, yes, I asked you. Did you seed your own trees? Yes, I seed them every day. I seed them this morning. I seed them last night. You can come over and seed them no, any no, you no. want. No, no, no. How can I seed them when you seeded them first? Look, Evan, what have I got in front of my house? Uh, trees. Did you see them? No. Did I see them? Yes. In other words, you looked at my trees, but you didn't see them. Uh, that's
6: right.
12: Let me smell your breath. <laughs> I don't know why I spent time with you. I was trying to tell you about the pine. We get tar from pine. We get what? A tar. Tar. Haven't you ever heard of pine tar? No, but I heard of a tree tar. Tree tar? Yeah. Clang, clang, clang went the tree tar. tar. Clang, clang, clang went the tree tar.
11: a Christmas present to her camel fans. Lovely Connie Haynes repeats the song she helped make so popular.
13: With my high-stock collar and my high-top shoes and my hair up my upon my head I went to lose a jolly out upon the trolley and lost my heart instead with his light brown derby and his pride green tie, he was quite the handsomest of men. I started the yen so I to ten, then I counted to ten again. Clang, clang, clang went the solid, ding, ding, ding went the bell. Zing, zing, zing went my heart for the moment I saw him I fell. my heartstrings when he smiled i could feel the car change he tipped his hat and took a seat he said he hoped he hadn't stepped upon my face
11: We have to come downtown for
12: Oh, I gotta get some more spaghetti, Abbott So I can finish trimming Like Christmas tree I couldn't find any tinsel this year So I'm trimming a tree with spaghetti And boy, does it look beautiful Oh, what's beautiful About trimming a tree with spaghetti Every time I plug it in The meatballs light up <laughs> There yes, you go There you go With that silliness again Hey, Adam Look who's in the car. It's That movie actress Betsy May Mucho. Hello, Miss Mucho Hello, boy. Gee, I'm glad I saw you I want to invite you to my Christmas party tonight, Miss Mucho. Oh, I'm very sorry, but I have to go down to Los Angeles. I'm having a dinner party at the Ambassador Hotel. <laughs> the Ambassador Hotel. Oh, sure, Abbott. You know where the Ambassador is. That's the home of the Cuckoo Nut glue.
13: <laughs> oh, it's going to be a thrilling dinner. Yeah. We're going to have crab, Louis, and steamed clams.
12: Clown Yes Don't you just adore clown No, I'd rather have a plate of
13: Freud oosters
6: <laughs> Well, I must
13: be sea along I beg your pardon? I must be sea along well,
12: Oh, well, we will say The tight. I sure <laughs> knock off those Spanish words,
6: don't I? Well,
12: that's one turn down for your party I don't care, Rabbit. I don't care if she don't want to come. Well... Here comes my girlfriend, Lena Gensler. She'll come to my party tonight. She's madly in love with me.
13: Ah, there you are, you sawed-off Boris Karloff. <laughs> Standing on street corners, flirting with girls.
12: I was a flirting with any girls, Lena. I'm saving myself for you.
13: Thanks, Faso, for saving so much. <laughs> I've got a bone to pick with you. I put some of that perfume you gave me on my hair.
11: Wait a minute. I think it has a nice golden tint. Uh, What is it? Chanel number five?
12: No, Kentone number seven.
6: (laughs) All and
12: all. (laughs) You little worm. Please, Lena, let's be friends. I'd never desert you. I'd stand by you. I'm as solid as the rock of Gibraltar.
13: I can believe that. You're sticking out in the Mediterranean
12: <laughs> Look, Lena, don't talk like that I was just going to ask you to come to my Christmas party tonight
13: Are you kidding? I'm going out with Ben Johnson tonight
12: Oh, Ben Johnson You always talk about Ben Johnson <laughs> Take away his blonde curly hair What do you got left?
13: I don't know, but you can deliver it to my house in the morning <laughs> Goodbye Well, there's number two that ain't going to come to my
12: party tonight Hey, look Isn't that Mrs. Niles getting off the streetcar?
13: Oh, hello, Mr. Abbott. Do you always stand on street corners leaning on a trash can? Oh, that's Costello. I didn't recognize him. Hey, he looks like the third day of the last weekend. You
12: know, I wish you hadn't said that, Mrs. Niles. I was going to thank you for that beautiful Christmas card I got this morning.
13: Oh, it really was nothing. It was merely a
12: picture of me smiling. I know it, but how did you get your teeth to spell out Merry Christmas?
6: <laughs> uh, now, please.
12: Now, stop that. or Mrs. Niles won't come to your party.
13: I wouldn't come to his party anyway. I always go around with younger people. It helps me to keep young. Oh, in fact, I dread to think of life at 70. Why? What happened then? <laughs> i
6: enough of you. Goodbye.
11: Well, it looks like you're not going to have anybody. That's the third turndown
12: you've had. I don't care, Rabbit. Uh, let's go home. I'm going to call up some of my other friends. I'll get somebody to come. Here, come on, let's grab this cab. Cabby, drive us to North Hollywood. North Hollywood? What's the matter with Glendale? The Steppin' Road with Glendale, I don't live there Oh, Glendale ain't good enough for you, huh? (laughs) Go on, go on, Costello Say it, Glendale is a one-horse town Glendale ain't a one-horse town Oh, then Then why did I lose my
11: job with the city street department? (laughs) Go on
12: Go on, don't stand there. Say it. Say, tell people I'm not a citizen of Glendale. Go on, say I never even voted. You
11: voted, you voted, you voted. Three times, huh? Go on, go on, start a rumor. Tell everybody I got paid when I voted. Madheck,
12: you didn't get a cent for voting. Oh,
11: the six dollars they gave me was for a dog life.
12: Oh, now I'm a dog, huh? Tell everybody I'm a dog. Throw me a piece of liver. I wouldn't throw you my liver. What's the matter with your liver? All right, you tell me what's wrong with my liver.
11: Get a load of this punk.
12: Now, he wants me to go to school for four years, study day and night to be a doctor, just so I can tell him what's wrong with his liver.
6: (laughs) Melonhead, I don't want you to go to school.
11: Oh, you want me to be a moron like you? (laughs) Please, please, fellows, this is is the Christmas season. Remember, peace on earth. Yeah, Melonhead, why do
12: you have to pick on me like
11: this? Yes, Melonhead, haven't you ever heard of the expression... Turn the other cheek. Boys, you're right. I feel sorry for everything I said here tonight, and I, I'd like to turn the other cheek so I can feel the humility. Costello, will you please slap me? You mean that? Yes. You mean... Oh, I slapped you before
12: I should, didn't, didn't I? You? That's
6: all right. Go <laughs> <I slapped you. laughs>
12: Okay. Now, now, slap the other cheek. Here. Are you kidding?
11: No. Oh. Yeah. Thanks, Costello. You know, nobody would ever believe that Melonhead would turn the other cheek. Costello? Yeah. Will you please write down on this paper here that I did? Oh, sure. Sure.
12: I, Luke Costello, slapped Melonhead on both cheeks. There you are. I suppose you're gonna show this to all your friends. No. I'm
11: gonna show it to my lawyer.
12: I'll, I'll sue you for assault. I'll sue you for battery. Get me a lawyer. Get me a judge in a jury. I'll fix you. Sure get it. me out of here. Get the bell, get the bell.
11: Well, Costello, it's 12 midnight. Not a soul has shown up for your party.
12: I can't understand it. I don't know. Nobody showed up for my party at all. I thought my girlfriend Lena would surely show up.
11: Yes. It's a shame that you aren't going to to get to kiss her under the mistletoe. The what? The mistletoe. Didn't you ever kiss a girl under the mistletoe?
12: No, I always kiss them under the nose.
11: (laughs) Well, it looks like
12: nobody's going to kiss you tonight Yes, Abbott All my friends have deserted me I'm just a failure Ah, no, you're not, Costello You're a big success No, Abbott, I'm just a complete flop No, you're not, Costello You're a great guy not No, cause... Abbott, I'm just a sort of little ugly-looking dope Well, don't stand there Argue with me <laughs> Oh, stop this, Costello,
11: please
12: I'm going to bed, Abbott Good night
11: Wait a minute Aren't you uh, going to hang up your stockings?
12: No Santa Claus won't even come here. Now,
11: that's wrong, Costello. Santa Claus loves everybody.
12: He doesn't love me, Abbott. He don't. Santa Claus has never come to my house on Christmas since I was seven years old. I was a smart aleck little kid in those days, just like some boys and girls are today. I went around saying I didn't believe in Santa Claus. If a kid come up and said he believed in Santa Claus, I used to say, Oh, you're nothing but a sissy. There ain't no Santa Claus. That's your father. But now I realize how wrong I was. I want to tell all the little boys and girls what happened to me. Let's all be children again. Let me take you back to Christmas Eve some 20 years ago. I've been out all day playing with my friends Chowderhead Abbott and Skinny Niles. It was a beautiful Christmas Eve. Snow was falling and you could see the lights on the Christmas trees in all the houses.
13: That cat No, no. I'm, not, I'm not
12: talking it, Ma I'm trying to get the money out <laughs> Well, there's no money in that cat Oh, uh, yes, there is Last night when Pa was playing poker I heard him
13: say Everybody put
12: money in a kitty <laughs> Oh,
13: that's good that your father now
12: No, that was kind of a sneaky knock It's probably the Iceman
13: Oh, never mind the door. I'll see who it is.
12: You go wash your dirty face. Uh, come on, uh, why can't I just go up and 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 cover the dirt with powder like you do?
13: Uh, uh... <laughs> Why, it's the little
9: Abbott boy and
12: the Nile's boy uh, We came over to tell you what Louie did He came over to my house and asked my mother to bend her head down so he could see her horns You snitcher
13: Why? <laughs> Why, Louis i you, naughty boy What ever made you think that Mrs. Abbott had horns?
12: I heard you say that when she got dressed up, she looked like the devil <laughs> <laughs>
11: Yeah, Nanny, don't you did either, Miss Costello Louie said my mother keeps the
12: cat in the icebox Mrs. nice does not keep a cat in her eye fox. Then why does everybody
13: say she's got a frozen push? (laughs) (laughs) You children stop this arguing and Louie you get ready for bed right away. Santa Claus will be coming along and it is now. Good
11: night. Gee, I can hardly wait until Santa Claus gets
1: here.
13: Gee, listen Kenny, I I hear sleigh bells. Yeah,
12: and I can hear him walking around on the roof. He's getting ready to come down the chimney. (laughs)
6: I kid. not uh,
11: do you realize that you gave me a hot foot? That isn't the way I planned it. <laughs> well, I'm sorry I'm late, boys. But I have to stop off at Betty Grable's house.
12: Why did you have to stop off there, Santa? After spending a year up there in the cold north, he's got to thaw out someplace. Quiet, Louis.
11: Gee, Santa Claus, I, I hope you brung
12: us kids some nice presents.
11: Huh? Oh, yes. Yes, I did. I brought some nice presents for you, Buddy Abbott, and you, Kenny Niles. But as for you, Louis Costello, you've been a bad boy. You hear? A
12: bad boy. Shady Claus, did you have lamb chops for dinner?
11: <laughs> I'll take care of you later, Louis. Here, Kenny and Buddy, here are your presents. Now run along home like good little boys. Thanks, oh, yeah. Anna. That's Thank all right. You. Good night.
6: Santa. Good night. Gee. Good night. <laughs> good night. <laughs>
11: Now, Louis Costello, I want to show you all the black marks I've got down here against you in my book. Now, here's a report from your Sunday school teacher. She tells me you put flypaper in all the pews last Sunday, that you put a cat in the pipe organ, that you put Limburger cheese behind all the radiators, and then you put a cap from a Coca-Cola bottle in the collection box and took out 15 cents cake. Now, what do you say to that? I'm a busy little bee, ain't I? Oh, silence. You haven't heard the worst. I see that a few years ago, you flirted with a little girl in school. Is that true? I'm afraid it is. And is it true that you gave her your class pin?
12: What class pin? I was only two years old. I gave it the only pin
11: I had. All right, all right. Let let the whole thing drop. That's what happened. And finally, Luke, the biggest black mark against you is that you've got a book under your mattress.
12: Yes, sir. Santa Claus, it's only a book about how to make tea the right color.
11: How to make tea the right color? What's the
12: name of it? Forever Amber.
11: <laughs> well, I guess that settles it, Louie. I'm afraid there's nothing I can leave you for Christmas. Nothing? You mean
12: just plain zero? Yes,
11: that's right, Louie. Maybe someday when you've learned to behave yourself, I may come back again. Well, good night.
12: Gee, I guess I'm just the kind of a boy my mother don't want me to associate with. (laughs) Nobody likes me. Even Santa Claus can't stand me. Buddy Abbott and Kenny Niles both got presents, but I didn't get nothing. I'm going to write a letter to my mom and my pop, and then I'm going to run away from here. Dear mom and pop, when you read this, I will be thousands of miles away. Don't ever look for me because you're not going to find me. I'm never coming back. Maybe someday when I'm old, about 11 or 12, (laughs) after I make a million dollars, I'll come home and I'll buy a, a nice new dress, Mom, and I'll give Pop a new pair of overalls. That's what he calls his happy clothes. Please take the fleas out of my flea circus and put them back on the dog so they won't get homesick. And don't forget to feed my little pet skunk twice a day. There's a clothespin hanging by his cage. I love you, Mom and Pop. But this is the best way out. Your loving son,
6: Louis Costello.
12: Boys and girls, that happened over 20 years ago, and Santa Claus has never come back to see me to this day. Please, kiddies, take a lesson from me and be good boys and girls so that next Monday night, Christmas Eve, you won't be waiting for Santa Claus that didn't come like I've been waiting for all
11: these years. Oh, come, Lou, I guess we'd better go to bed.
6: It's Lena, and Connie Haynes, and it's
12: Mountainhead, and Ken Niles Oh, boy, you all came to my party Yes, yes, and I'm here too, Louis Santa Claus, you finally came and you even brought your horse with you
6: What horse? It's me
12: (laughs) Pardon me, Mrs. Niles Gee, I didn't dream that anything like this was going to happen I thought that nobody cared about me anymore I was dreaming of a sly Christmas. I thought my
13: friend had passed me by.
8: Why, you know,
11: Costello,
13: that you're one fellow that we all think is.
11: You are loved by both the kids and old folks. Though you have whiskers on your jokes. <laughs> <laughs> they are my Kind of Campbell Figarettes and I'll And now, here are Bud and Lou with the final word. Uh, ladies and gentlemen.
12: <laughs> hey, wait a minute. Adam. I, uh, hey, Adam. Adam. hey Adam. Adam, I don't see that guy here that always yells, No, no, not that. You know what uh, i hey,
11: Costello, Uh-oh. I didn't want to spoil oh, the oh, Christmas spirit on your show tonight.
12: Oh, that's awfully sweet of you. I also want to thank you for that lovely present you sent me. That's mm-hmm. the best game I ever played. Game? I didn't send you any game. I sent you an autographed picture of myself. How do you like that? My wife and I sat up all night trying to pin a tail on it. Good <laughs> night, folks. A Merry Christmas to everybody. Yes, Merry Christmas to everybody. And don't forget to buy another Victory pot at your local theater. Merry Christmas to everybody in Patterson, New Jersey.
11: Be sure to tune in next week for another great Abbot and show brought to you by Camel Cigarettes. And remember, try camels in your T zone. See if they don't do your taste, your throat to a tea. The show for Camel cigarettes we'll be back at this very same time next week don't miss it this is Ken Niles in Hollywood wishing you all a pleasant good night this is the national broadcasting company
1: thank you for listening tomorrow it's escape followed by Duffy's Tavern thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support